Hello, this is Neil Gaiman, and you are listening to the Nerd Culture Podcast at nerdculturepodcast.com. Welcome to episode 43 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and with me are two-thirds of the NCP crew, Richo. Actually, for this episode, I want to be known as Richo Now! Exclamation mark. And Luke. Hi, I represent the one-third who's, you know, not really interested in Marvel now. <laughs> uh, so, Crystal will actually not be joining us for this episode uh, for a number of reasons, mainly because she has no interest in comics in any way, shape, or form. We tried. We tried our hardest. We did try. It just didn't work. But she wouldn't take me with her. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be like that. For this episode, we're going to be covering the entire Marvel Now catalogue as it stands now. So, for whatever's been released, we're going to cover it. Don't you mean Uh, as it stands now, exclamation mark. Yes, that is what I mean, but I didn't have the acting ability to do that. My God-given acting ability! So, Marvel Now is uh, Marvel's latest attempt to revitalise the universe. It's uh, unlike DC's New 52, it's not a reboot of the universe, uh, but it is a new focus uh, following the events of AVX. Now they're they're basically having, instead of mutants are hated and feared by the whole universe, they're actually going to have it so that uh, the Avengers and the X-Men work together for a a new goal, a new peace-loving goal. And then there's a whole bunch of other books that are not in any way connected to that. Yeah. But they're flat now on those as well for sales. <laughs> I mean, because it's all connected in some way that I haven't been able to work out. At least it's not as... A, I mean, you're right. Most of the most of them, they've just they've put the Marvel Now Athena banner on there. But at least it's nowhere near as bad as the Green Lantern movie banners that DC was doing. That was pretty bad. <laughs> that was shockers. Yeah. I, I guess my, my point is that um, there was an entire focus across the entire board for the DC stuff yeah here the focus is purely it seems on avengers and x-men and i can understand it from the perspective of those books i'm just not quite sure how it relates to some of the other books that have been branded with that as well but we'll get to that later on (laughs) we will get to that so just before we move on to that just i just want to talk a a couple of things that have happened recently in the world of ncp and the world Um, as you would have heard from the intro uh we got to meet neil gaiman Yay! Which is uh, pretty friggin' awesome. One of my literary heroes. Uh, we, we got to see him uh, actually have a, a chat on stage, uh, uh, a talk in front of a whole bunch of people, um, which could have been better, I must admit. Not because of him. He was awesome. Uh, but the uh, interview person, interviewer, not the best. I, I suppose it depends on what, what, you, what your expectations were. This yeah. was kind of a light-hearted banter with fans, whereas I suppose I was looking for something more like a you know, more in-depth look at, you know, what it's like to be a writer and what his processes are and things like that. Whereas this was clearly more of a for-the-fans kind of experience, I think. Which is still, which is still awesome. Yeah, we still still got to meet him. That's awesome. So, um, and, uh, and yeah, and then, um, uh, my long-suffering wife, uh, lined up with me after the show, uh, despite her swollen ankles, so, uh, Thank you. Thank you, honey. Um, so that's the real reason she's not here for this episode. <laughs> um, and yeah, then we got, uh, I got to meet him and uh, have him sign my Absolute Sandman Volume 1 where he did a little sketch of, uh, of a dream. It's awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he recorded the clip. Is it any good, the sketch? Oh, it's awesome. 
Oh, it's it's basically just lines, <laughs> but it's you know it's pretty cool. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Um, yeah, so it was really good. So uh, Neil, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, and just to, I just want to just briefly touch on um, this pretty earth-shattering event in the world of uh, nerds um, that J.J. Uh, Abrams has uh, been announced to officially be the director of the new Star Wars Seven film. Seriously, <laughs> of all the people that can get who who will be lining up at the door, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Expect lots of lightsaber lens flare. This, I can see it now. <laughs> unlike Star Trek, which needed to be rethought after the shamozzle that was Enterprise, Star Trek needed to be rebooted and rethought. Given that Star Wars itself has gone through a pretty good period recently with the Clone Wars, and it's still very fresh, it doesn't need Abrams to come on board to give it um, a push, if that makes sense. I don't think they've got him on on there to do a push. I don't think it's I don't think it's like a a revitalization. I think it's just more along the lines of the JJ Abrams is hugely they're, popular. They're, they're saying that, but it is also I think an attempt to revitalize the film franchise certainly because Disney's now bought it and they want to give it as much of and as much of their edge as they can. I've no problem. With, yeah. I've, got, I've got no problem with JJ Abrams except for the lens flare, obviously. From but it's just not. Um, oh my god! I'm now getting really excited about Star Wars. Yeah, the, it's, I would have preferred Brad Bird. Mm. That would have been... Yeah, I think Brad Bird would have been a better choice. I yeah, think yeah. Matthew uh, Vaughan would have been a better choice. Well, I agree. Um, I mean, there well, are I'm, directors I would have preferred, but I still have no problem with him doing it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm going to hold off until I see the second Star Trek film to see whether Abrams has actually learnt anything since Good the point. first film. And then I'll, I'll base my, my judgment there. Based on what I saw in the first film um, and from what I've seen of his other movies, I'm not convinced just yet. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited, though. New Star Wars. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yes. New Star Wars has automatically <laughs> got me excited, but I'm just... Anyway, that's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> we've no, got it's to... no, it's not. We've still got another three years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got some uh, really exciting Big Top news. Um, this is uh, our second episode as part of the Big Top Network. It's really cool. Um, and uh, we've already got a sponsor. Woohoo! How awesome is that? Um, so we ha- now have a sponsor in the form of totallyirreverent.com.au. So totally irreverent. Uh, it's an awesome site if you ever want to buy a t-shirt. Um, they also have costumes and stuff on there as well. But uh, they have a huge uh, geek slash nerd t-shirt range. Um, they're really, really cool. I really like that Star Trek t-shirt that you can see there. Yeah, it's awesome. It's basically the cover of uh, one of the old Star Trek comics, which is pretty groovy. Um, so, yeah, so as, as our, our new sponsor, they've uh, kindly offered our listeners a free T-shirt. So a free T-shirt of their choice. So check them out and pick out the T-shirt that you, that you will win if you enter our competition. So the competition's uh, nice and easy. It's, uh, I'm going to, after this episode, I'm going to post a picture that's like a logo of the competition on our website, our Facebook page, and on Twitter. So to win, to be in the running to win, all you have to need to do is either comment on the web post, uh, like the Facebook page, and comment if you want, um, and or and or retweet the Twitter post. Everybody who does those three, any any of those three things, or all three things, will go in the hat. We'll, we'll draw out a winner, and then we'll give you the details of how you can actually log on and claim your free T-shirt. Um, so remember, it's not it's not totally irrelevant. It's totally irreverent. Dot com dot that's cool. Check them out and uh, look for the competition. So our winner will actually be announced on our next episode, episode 44. So good luck, everybody. You've got to be in it to win it. Comment, post, retweet, like. 
do it. And we'll give you the details of our um, stuff at the end of the episode, as you already know if you've, if you've listened to the show before. So not only do we have a new sponsor, uh, but actually as an extra special treat for this episode, we're going to have a special guest, Bo from the ECN podcast. And I actually appeared on the ECN podcast um, uh, a couple of episodes back uh, for them. Uh, I just called in on Skype, which is what he's going to do for us. Um, and uh, he's going to call in for this episode. So it's going to be awesome. They're great dudes. And you'll find that out when uh, Bo calls in. You mean we're speaking to America? Yes, America in the past. <laughs> That's right. It's actually yesterday over there. It's Saturday night over there. Ooh, we're going back. <laughs> back in time. <laughs> Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey! So for our NCP listeners, this is Bo from the ECA Podcast. How you doing, dude? Doing pretty good, man. Awesome. So, uh, you, you know, it's we're talking to you from the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the future. It's like, it's like a week ahead or something. Australia, something like that. <laughs> so uh, I listened to um, the rest of episode 711, as I promised. And uh, thanks for that awesome, awesome intro, the story about how you found out about us. Oh, no plug, dude. I mean, that's uh, no lie either. Like, um, if it wasn't for me trying to hack Google into putting me in the top of uh, Nerd Culture Podcast ranking, I never would have discovered your podcast. And um, if you hadn't have commented, I, I wouldn't have thought you were a nice guy. I'd have been like, I'm not approaching this douchebag, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you, you know you we, s- we, we all think that here as well, but he coerced us into doing this podcast. <laughs> Well, lucky I, com- yeah, lucky I commented. Yeah, you were you were just uh, you just. My goal for this year is I want I want to contact like a bunch of podcasts um, because I just think that the problem with podcasts, and I'm sure you faced this, is um, you try to promote yourselves to to people in your area. So like you advertise like in your area first, and you have to tell them a what your show is, what a podcast is, and why they should listen to it. And then you have to tell them how they can listen to it. Because, you know, they're, oh, yeah. oh, what radio station is it on? Yeah. You know, that's what they always ask. So I figure if we combine forces, like if we just talk to other podcasters, then their fans already know how to listen to a podcast. So you've already got B taken care of. You just have to convince them to listen to your show, you know? Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, we really should have thought of that as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you guys are the first people that I, I talked to, and, and it's because you commented and um, seemed approachable. You seemed like a nice group of guys, and so and, and one girl. Um, so I thought I'd, I thought I'd approach you guys first. So obviously uh, we conned you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dor- after this episode, you'll never want to come back. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was really awesome of you, of you to say that. It, was, it, really, it really meant a lot to me, and um, you guys are awesome as well. I mean, I've, I've been listening to you guys for a while, ever, ever since you commented on that uh that conan the barbarian post on the website it's just i thought you were just being courteous like i can't believe you actually have been listening that's yeah <laughs> no, i think it's awesome i love you guys i mean you're, you're completely different to us like we're very structured it's yeah. like everything's everything's sorted out everything everybody knows what they meant to say i mean we, we, we ad lib as well but everybody it's it's you know we have a sort of a set structure where you guys just talk about just whatever just pops into your head which is just great <laughs> Well, you know, I would have it more structured. It's Matt and um, Scott that get derailed. I try to bring them back in, 
but uh, they're 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 really hard to uh, hard to keep reined in sometimes. But it's good though. We have a yeah. good combination, I think. Yeah, I actually love Scott's rambling. I think it's awesome. <laughs> it's like he's like he'll just go completely off topic, and and he's really knowledgeable too, which is awesome. He's just so. Let's move on to Marvel now. <laughs> Awesome, so first up we have Richo with The Avengers. Okay, The Avengers is written by Jonathan Hickman and penciled by Jerome Opinia. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, <laughs> Do you reckon that's right? I think it's a peanut, yeah. Okay, cool. It's like a like a wrong, long running joke on the show that we can't pronounce anybody's names. <laughs> uh, it's a long running joke never... that you guys can't pronounce any of their names. <laughs> you always read them, but you never hear them said anywhere, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to it's hard to know. Yeah. Okay, Avengers is um, a relaunch in the true sense of the word, not just um, that it's a new number one, but uh, the entire structure and nature of the team. Uh, has completely changed under this new format. Um, basically, Captain America and Iron Man have decided that uh, because of the nature of the threats that the Avengers are facing, that the team needs to be bigger. And when I say bigger, the it seems to be Hickman is saying there's going to be at least 18 members, maybe more. Um, so this team is going to be absolutely huge. Really, the selling point of this book, I think, is its um, high-concept ideas... Um, Hickman presents a new villain called Ex-Nilo, who has terraformed Mars and is now looking to terraform the Earth as well. And that's actually that's actually a pretty big selling point of the book, is that this is a huge threat. And so having this giant Avengers team come t- together to face that threat is um, really actually quite impressive, especially given the last few years of Avengers books where I just I haven't felt that there's been major threats to that team. So, um, so yeah, so there's this great big concept ideas behind this book and that's its strength. Uh, probably its biggest weakness is um, really a lack of characterization. And that could partially be because there are so many people coming into the book, but I'm not really getting a feel for these characters uh, just yet outside of Captain America and Iron Man themselves. Um, if you didn't really have any comic knowledge, you might not even know who half of these characters are just yet. Um um, I must admit, this has certainly been probably one of the stronger books overall, though. Um, I'm intrigued to see where it's going. Um, I'm not entirely sold on it yet due to that sort of lesser characterization, which seems to be a bit of a, a thing in uh, Hickman's work in general. But certainly I'll be keeping reading for now due to the high concept nature of the book. I definitely like the concept. That's the first time I've heard that. Um, so he terraformed Mars and he's... Um... He's threatening to terraform Earth. I, I like yeah. that. That's a cool Yeah, cool look, and, and it is. And that's, I mean, that's, Hickman's that kind of writer anyway. He has these big concept ideas, um, which has yeah, really worked for him on Fantastic Four and is working here on Avengers as well. Um, but I mean, you're right, it's, it's it, a little bit more focus on people other than Captain America. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like well, that I mean, cool. three issues of Captain America and Iron Man talking about how they're making the team bigger. Yeah. It's not really doing it for me. No, but the artwork, though, is absolutely magnificent. It is very nice. No he's doubt just, about that. He's just brilliant, and I'll read anything he draws, because he's just unbelievably awesome. All right, so next up, we've got Luke with Captain America. Yes, okay, so Captain, this is also a bit of a... Um, 
starting from not quite starting from scratch, I guess, but also but sort of a refocusing, introducing for new readers um, opener. Um, it's written by Rick Remenda and drawn by John Romita Jr. and it really is not very good. It starts off in the cliched notion of we've got to see Captain America, you know, um, fighting a mediocre media. What what a lot of um, people coming into Captain America do for the first time show Captain America fighting a mediocre villain to establish that you know he's a good fighter, that he's a man who resorts, to, who, man who will not stop until you know his he comes up on top. Then get into you know where he's at with his relationship with Sharon Carter, and then get into. Oh yes, that we've got to have a bad guy towards the end. Sort of very generic by the numbers plotting. Nothing that I haven't read before in a, in a, in a Captain America storyline. Even towards the end with the um, the introduction of Spy Element and the underground espionage organization. And I don't want to give too much away here. I was just sort of bored by that point. John Romita, John Romita Jr.'s artwork is quite nice to look at, as always. But Rick Remender could be doing better. Yeah, I felt the same way. I thought that I did read this, and uh, it's it's just a Captain America book. You know, it didn't seem mm. it didn't do anything to like reach out and grab me. You know, yeah, that there's really nothing in it, as Luke said. There's really nothing in it that makes you go, "Oh wow, look at this fascinating new take or insight into Captain America." Right. It's, yeah, right. And and X like X Men books do the same thing. Like I feel like every X book is the same, and I think yeah. Captain America is kind of doing the same thing. Well, I'm actually I'm completely confused. If I read a different Captain America comic, I mean, didn't Cap, <laughs> is, isn't it Captain America the one that I read? He's gone into Dimension Z, yeah, and he's like trying to yeah, that's the one, yeah, like escape and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think it's actually kind of awesome. <laughs> I feel like the odd one out here. Okay, okay, quiet, quiet, quiet. As we just prepare for the drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, and suddenly a nice loud. You're wrong. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what the problem is. It's, bo- it's boring and it's by the numbers. There's nothing to it that I that you can't actually go fr- get from the original run, from Kirby, from. Um... Maybe the leap into Dimension Z might uh, become interesting later on. Yeah, I mean, he's not fighting Nazis, but... Yeah, that, that's something at what least. Are you, what are you talking about? It's like, I mean, he's he's in there, he's one, he's, he's all alone, he's, he's wounded, he's got to he's got to um, make sure this kid doesn't get hurt by all these creatures and stuff. It's very Prophet, you know, the new Prophet realm, which is cool. Mm. And it's like, skips one year later and the guy's almost dead, but he won't give up because he's Captain America! Uh, so this one's uh, me with A plus X. Uh, now A plus X is a unique sort of beast. It's it's basically uh, two and maybe even three sh- uh, sort of short stories uh, in each issue, which is essentially meant to be an Avengers character teamed up with a X Men X or X type character. Um, it's kind of Marvel Tales or sort of Spider Man. You know, they're sort of the Marvel Tales with Spider Man team up sort of thing, which is pretty cool because I miss those. They were awesome. It's pretty cool. I actually don't mind it. It's I, it, I thought I was going to hate it, and when I started reading the first issue, I did because every the opening page of each issue has this Q and A thing that I assume is written by the writer. Um, but since the writer changes each issue, I'm not too sure now. I think it's actually just written by uh, just one of the editors or something, or maybe just the work experience kid. I don't know, but it's clearly written <laughs> by a twelve year old, and it's just painfully unfunny. It's like it's excruciatingly bad. And so I was like, oh my god, if this is going to be what the actual comic is about, I'm in for a bad time. But thankfully, no, it wasn't. Um, issue 1's got uh, Captain America teaming up with Cable, 
and uh, the Hulk teaming up with Wolverine, which sort of hints towards a, a longer story. Uh, a plus X actually has uh, Rogue and Black Widow in a hilarious little short story uh, where they get to team up and uh, sort of learn a bit about each other. Um, and then three's got uh, Black Panther and Storm, and uh, four unfortunately has Deadpool in it. Um, but uh, if you're a Deadpool <laughs> fan, then then awesome. But it's just it's a cool little concept. Um, it's not quite what I expected it to be, which is good because I thought it was going to be terrible. I recommend it. Should have a subtitle. Give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that's no, true. Then, then, then it'd be Wolverine teams up with Spider-Man every episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two's actually also got a Kitty Pride and Iron Man team up, which is hilarious because okay. Lockheed is a champion. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I recommend it. Check it out. I think that I think this sound the A plus X thing sounds fun. Uh, it. It's something I wouldn't put on my pool, but I'll definitely walk by and see what the cover looks like on the shelf, and, and maybe pick it up every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I think with, with that's what the... you could do. You could do a pool, no pool, like whether you would pull it or not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, with... well, that actually sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Richo with Avengers Assemble. Yeah, and now Avengers Assemble. I I hadn't read the book before this Marvel Now issue, and I. I think that's not really much of a problem because it's a new creative team and I'm assuming a new direction for the book, but this is really just a strange, strange beast and I'm not entirely... I don't think I like it, but um, it's written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and drawn by Stefano Caselli and I must admit the artwork is very nice. Awesome. Really, really nice artwork, but my first issue is I'm not sure why this book exists. Um, I'm a really strong believer in the idea that if you're going to have multiple team books for your team, so if you're going to have multiple Avengers book, each book should have a, a reason for existing, you know, something that separates it from all the other books. And the only thing I can work out with this book is that it exists purely to make money. It seems to be taking a comedic approach, um, maybe something along the lines of the old Dematius Giffen approach to Justice League, but it's not funny. Uh, that's, I think, where it's a real problem lies. It's not funny... The dialogue is is painfully bad. Um, I just these characters just don't seem like the characters that I'm reading in the other books. I mean, they're they're making jokes, and um, the Hulk and Iron Man make a bet. Now, there's a serious threat facing that that, that that's you know that's called them together and everything, and they're making a bet as to you know who's going to be able to solve this big mystery and and save the day and everything. I'm thinking this is just terrible like this is <laughs> it's just so so badly written um and um yeah it, rather than being humorous it comes across just as being childish um and yeah and like i said my biggest problem though is i can't see why this book exists like what purpose does it serve that's fair enough but the artwork is brilliant <laughs> uh, the artwork is lovely <laughs> i agree with everything admit. you said but the artwork is magnificent but i would recommend to anybody not to bother with this one yeah honestly. pass yeah this wouldn't be on my pull list at all. <laughs> no, no pull. No pull. <laughs> <laughs> what I find interesting is that, you know, Kelly Sudokonik has written this and she's written Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, and she can't even get the characterization between those two characters right. Yeah, they well, are she, completely different. She seems, to be, she seems to be going for third-rate Bendis characterization. Yeah. And honestly, Bendis's Avengers characterization has been third-rate real characterization anyway. <laughs> so it's no, like, no, 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 no. She's no. like a... Don't, don't diss the Bendis in this household. I'm dissing Bendis as Avengers. <laughs> no. His awesome. Avengers run Bendis, has been awful. New Avengers And his characterization has been pathetic. No. And this book just follows that trend. Disagree. Bendis dissed assembled? <laughs> <laughs> 
but um boom. What do you reckon, what do you reckon, bro? Are you a Bendis fan? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's brilliant. <laughs> Everything he does, genius. Cl- clearly, you, clearly, you and the rest of us have a different definition of the word brilliant. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. Not everything he's done. I mean, it's, it, like everybody, he does do some stinkers. But I'm a fan of a lot of his stuff, but I've, I've, I'm really not a fan of his Avengers work. And it the seems thing like about, the to... thing about Marvel, well, DC does it too. But the big two, what they do is they find a writer that that is good. And then they put them on like eight books. Yeah. And they expect them to be just as good. Yeah. Know? And they also, I also think that they, they put them on books that aren't necessarily suited to their strengths as a writer. You know, Bendis' strengths, I think, can be seen in things like Daredevil and Ultimate Spider-Man and Powers and stuff like that. I, yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, whereas I don't, think, I don't think he was the right writer for Avengers. Now, I should, like, point out that the book has been unbelievably successful under him so I'm clearly in the minority here but anyway, yeah. we've, we've diverged up a bit yeah. um, so I'm glad Luke mentioned uh, Captain Marvel because up next is Luke with Captain Marvel cool alright Captain Marvel also written by Kelly Sue as I've just said um, <laughs> it takes a, a slightly different approach to um, superheroes it's not concerned so much with um, big over the top action it's more attempting to create more of a I guess a sex in the city <laughs> Well, it is. It's because it's more. It's more concerned with her every. So with her managing her everyday life. Uh-huh. At least this first issue is, as opposed to you know getting involved in big explosive action and you know seeing seeing the relationship she's formed. You know seeing what seeing what else she has to worry about apart from the you know the next big threat. And it's sort of kind of cute from those terms. Um, but I was not really left with a sense of wanting to read beyond that first issue. There is nothing about. I like Carol Danvers, and I've liked Carol Danvers ever since you know Captain Marvel was originally published. But there's nothing particularly about this that makes me want to read on. There's nothing particularly about the approach to the character that they've got that makes me want to pursue her adventures even further. I prefer Carol Danvers as Warbird, yeah. uh, to be perfectly honest. And I'm apparently I'm not the only one, because this has already been cancelled. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Which is pretty weird. The artwork's quite nice. Yeah. There's a nice Tim Sale-esque quality to the artwork, and it, you know, there's a, it, it looks a little bit different. But um, in terms of the story, it's not really sold on it. Yeah, I actually read of, of of the new series. I, I, I'm with you. I actually prefer Carol Danvers' sort of Avenger, previous mm. Warbird sort of style. Um, uh, although I do quite like her new costume. Um, they actually got like a fashion designer mm. to design her new current mm. costume, and I quite like it. And it fits into. Mm. I actually read the first uh, the first trade of this new series, which is called A Pursuit of Flight, um, which sort of deals with her new attitude and why she got the new costume and why she's doing what she's doing. Um, and that kind of left me cold, I'll be honest with you. And then I read this issue because it's now the first issue that's kind of part of the Marvel now. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's not bad. I'm just not interested. Okay, so moving on to me with All New X Men. Okay, so All New X Men is was pretty much you know, along with Avengers, the flagship of the Marvel Now um, series. Uh, it's been, it's one of the ones that's been going the longest. I think we're up to issue six now. Um, it is uh, by my hero Brian Michael Bendis, um, and deals with it's it's one of the titles that deals pretty much exclusively with the fallout of AVX, uh, where Cyclops is now a criminal, um, and almost all the rest of the Phoenix Phoenix Five are criminals. Uh, but Cyclops is uh, it was is is in prison um, and has broken out in order to form uh, Uncanny X Men. Uh, but he's gone off with Magneto and Magic, and uh, he's a, he's now basically a bad guy, I suppose. But it sort of depends on your point of view. I actually agree with with the new version of Cyclops. I know Richard doesn't, uh, but uh, I actually quite like the, you know the new badass Cyclops, and I agree with his point of view. Um, but uh, All New X Men basically deals with Beast. Uh, so Beast is 
uh, come up with this harebrained scheme <laughs> to go back in time and grab the X-Men back when they were first, you know, pretty much first starting out, when they were, you know, young and idealistic and basically good people, and bring them to the fu- to the future to sort of see what's going to happen to how they turn out, so that they can then go back and not this would not come to pass. Now, it's a ridiculous plan. It just makes no sense. Um, it's just stupid right from the outset. And this is this is the Beast, right? He's one of my favourite characters. I mean, he's, you know, big brain, awesomely nice person, just, you know, the kind of person that you would like have to have as a friend. And you just think, what were you smoking when you come up with this plan? It just makes no sense. I mean, I'm, not, I, I'm calling spoiler alert, but uh, the, the, when the X-Men come to the future and see how horrible it is, of course they don't want to go back. <laughs> they stay where they are so they can then somehow stop and help and sort of fix things up, which is clearly what they would decide to do. I mean, they're not going to go run away. They're going to come and they're, they're heroes. Think... They're, they're going to come and try and be heroic. Yeah, so the story is, is ridiculous, but it's Bendis, so it's well written. I like it's, it. It's, yeah, I like it. It's quite, it's strangely enough, now that I just, I just bitched about it for, for like five minutes, <laughs> but I actually do quite enjoy it. Um, it's got, uh, it's got great art. Um, it's uh, it's well written. It's well the characterization is spot on, um, and uh, I'm very interested to see how it goes. The the problem with these stories, or problem with a time travel story in a comic book, is that they don't age normally. So like they almost look like they're the same age in current time <laughs> as they were then. You know, it's yeah. Supposed to be so there's there's like there's a there's a scene where Iceman Bobby and Bobby are talking to each other, young Bobby and supposedly old Bobby, and they look right. identical. Okay, so moving on to Dark Avengers. Okay, Dark Avengers is by Jeff Parker and Neil Edwards and is a continuation of Jeff Parker's work on the old Thunderbolt series, which um, has now been replaced with a completely new and unrelated Thunderbolt series. Look, the, the biggest problem with this story is that it's not really a very um, new reader-friendly issue. No. Like I, I, it's you basically you come in right in the middle of a story. I have no idea who these characters are, and I just want to point out I've been reading uh, I've been reading Jeff Parker's um, Thunderbolt series in trade, and I still have no idea who these Dark Avengers characters are. So, <laughs> so I've come in the middle of a story, and I've just no idea what's going on, no idea who the characters are, and I, I don't even know how to how to grade this issue or you know what to say about it it's pull or the no middle pull. Of, it's the middle of another story i can't <laughs> look i would say if you're a new reader don't don't pull it because you'll have no idea what's going on um unless you really want to go back and get all the old thunderbolts trades in which case go for it but um you know it's not badly written uh the artwork's solid without yeah. being anything too special it's kind of kind of a neil edwards style is kind of a sort of second or third generation Mark Bagley, Alan Davis kind of guy without being as good as either. Yeah, it's it's just a very confusing issue for a new reader. Uh, but one of, one of the things that I really find interesting about this part, this title is it's yet another one that deals with an alternate Earth. Yeah. There's actually like four Marvel Now titles that are dealing with alternate Earth realities. Which is which... probably not the best way to start you, you, you relaunch and get new readers in. It's really strange. I mean, I yeah. love alternate Earth reality stuff. Absolutely adore it. That's why I love the what-ifs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of that sort of scenario. But when you're relaunching your titles and four of them don't even deal with your actual main 616 mm. universe, something's up there. I actually think this is the worst example of that as well because it yeah. doesn't even state that it's an alternate reality. It's yeah. just you're starting to read and it's like, 
Okay, so that's Iron Man's new armor. Oh no, that's not Iron Man's new armor. That's actually an alternate reality. You know, it doesn't even tell you that it's an alternate reality. I know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's got to be confusing for any new readers. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read anything Thunderbolts, but um, I have experienced that where it's like, am I an idiot and I just don't understand this, or is yeah. this bad writing? Exactly right. The other. Exactly right. Yeah, um, you're totally on the money there. I mean, so yeah. we're I mean we're big comic readers. You know, huge comic collections. Of, I know the Marvel Universe inside out. Even even I had to look some of these characters yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who are these people? It's just really strange. But anyway, moving on. Uh, so next up is me. Now here's uh, rant time. So my next title is Avengers Arena. Now I was going to save up my my nerd rage for when I covered um, Superior Spider Man, but I'm gonna. I think I'm going to use it all up in this bit here. Avengers Arena is. Is an utter disgrace. I mean, I'll just say it right out from the start. It's a disgrace. Now, it's not a disgrace because of the writing or the art. The art's actually very, very good. Um, the covers are also, once again, they're, you know, they're all good. It's a disgrace because of the concept. Now, Avengers Arena essentially is Arcade has kidnapped uh, a bunch of the younger heroes of the Marvel Universe. I think it's like 16 of them. So he's kidnapped them from wherever they originally were and he's put them into this hideout, whatever. It's like a dome in the Antarctic or something. Um, and then basically has, has told them that he, he's bored of what he usually does with like the death traps and stuff like that. He's going to make them fight each other to escape. It is essentially the biggest Hunger Games ripoff I've ever, ever seen. And it's so blatant that one of the covers is actually the Avengers symbol designed to look like the Hunger Games symbol, where it's on fire and stuff. It's an absolute disgrace, and I'm amazed that they haven't been sued. Um, well, it's not like Hunger Games was the most original idea to begin with anyway. I mean, Hunger Games is just like Battle Royale, basically. That is insane. I see the cover that you're talking about. It's the A, and it has like the, the flames around it. That's insane that they can get away with that. I know. I, I, I can only assume that they have some sort of uh, stake uh, in uh, Hunger Games. That, I, don't know, I have no idea. It's just it's bizarre. But what really upsets me about this comic is, like I said, the actual the writing is fine. Um, the artwork is, is very good. What upsets me is that these are a bunch of characters who are in this ridiculous scenario. And like Richard said, Hunger Games itself wasn't exactly uh, original. It was a complete rip-up of other stories as well, like Battle Royale, which is awesome, by the way. Check it out. Battle Royale 1 and 2, awesome. Um, but never, never seen it. Oh, check it out. Japanese, it's just fight to the death on an island. Brain stuff. Much better than Hunger Games. Yeah, so basically there's a bunch of young characters that you've... that If you've been reading certain titles like Runaways... Um, or more importantly, Avengers Academy, which I was a huge fan of before it cancelled, um, and uh, various other titles. You, you've, these are characters that you've sort of you've gotten to know. And I'm not an idiot. I mean, they're just characters, so you can do whatever you want with them. But they're just characters that just wouldn't be, that shouldn't be in this scenario. These are characters that have that have you know, earned their stripes and should give, be given a chance to actually to carry on in you know the titles where they can actually learn to be heroes and and be part of the Marvel U. Not in this ridiculously contrived Hunger Games ripoff, which is basically just screaming, you know, younger readers, please read us, and this is really cool, and they kill each other off. It's just, it's, it's, it's actually really quite upsetting. So, that being said, uh, if you like that sort of stuff, check it out, because actually it's a pretty well done sort of version of that. <laughs> um, I know I sort of flipped it on its head. I mean, it's, I mean, if you are a sort of a younger reader and Hunger Games is your thing, and you have no emotional attachment to these characters then what happens at the end of issue one is actually quite shocking and and you'll quite enjoy it. 
If you enjoy ruining my childhood, you'll love it. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. If you're a fan of ruining your childhood, it's good. So if you ever read Avengers Academy um, or you know all the Runaways and you want to see your characters again, then unfortunately this is the comic you have to read. If you have some sort of emotional attachment to these characters and you think and you think you're just going to punch a wall if, if you know what happens at the end of issue one happens, then uh, avoid arena is just an excuse to go, well, these characters are going to be stuck in a ruck. Now we'll put them in this situation where we can kill half of them off if we need to. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it, I mean, just story-wise, it just... I mean, you, I, you're totally right, I agree with you. It's, it's just that surely by now... I mean, they've been in this dome for, like, a couple of days now. Surely one of the actual heroes, like, you know, Thor or something... Would have tracked them down by now. I mean, that's just the way these yeah, things work. Given that they were in the Avengers Academy, has the, the Academy teachers just gone? Ah, oh, they're out of our lives. I didn't like <laughs> them anyway. Let's just eh, forget about them. Well, they graduate at the end of Avengers Academy anyway. But uh, but if they graduate, don't they then go into Avengers? No, they become Avengers third stringers. <laughs> and so therefore end up in this third string <laughs> book. Right. Anyway, I mean, and plus, anyway, it doesn't make much sense because X-23 is in the dome, and let's face it, she just wipe them all out. <laughs> X-23 is awesome, she'd have, kill anybody. Would have the smart thing she given that... She would have killed them. <laughs> she would have just killed them by now. Yeah, it seems like to me it would make one great issue, and they're trying to make a whole... Uh... You know, whole thing out of it. Yeah, because yeah. if, it, if it'd been a one shot, I would have said, "Okay, fair enough." It's still a terrible idea, but I'll let it go because X twenty three is in it. <laughs> but <laughs> forget about it. All right, let's move on to Richo and Hawkeye. Now, Hawkeye is a book uh, by Matt Fraction and uh, David Aja. Uh, it's been actually getting quite a lot of critical acclaim, and I must admit, I hadn't read any of the issues before this one. Um, this is a it's a very fun book. Interesting. The the artwork is really fascinating. It's probably one of the more creative books art wise um, that I've seen in from Marvel now. Um, it's yeah, layouts are really interesting. It's very different. It's a, like I said, a fun book. Um, there's enough in this issue. It's there's nothing really in this issue other than sort of a day in the life of Hawkeye. So it's it's not a bad little introduction to Hawkeye as a character, and um, there's. There's enough here to make me now interested in going back and reading the rest of the series. Um, if you're looking for some kind of giant superhero adventure story, you're not going to find it in this issue. But if you're just looking for an interesting character study of Hawkeye, yeah. Um, with some really nice artwork and interesting layouts and things like that, then it's it's not a bad little issue at all. Probably not the issue I would have done as, you know, the as a Marvel Now issue to bring in the new readers or anything. But it was certainly entertaining. Yeah, I'll give it that. And like I said, I'm, I, it's intrigued me enough that I'll go back and uh, look at the earlier issues now as well. So it's in that regard, I suppose, it has worked. And awesome covers. And yes, really nice covers. Good design sensibility to the covers that actually makes them really stand out. I pulled it. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled Hawkeye. Well done. <laughs> yeah, we had to go there. <laughs> Champagne comedy. <laughs> uh, moving along quickly to Luke... On Fantastic Four. Um, Fantastic Four issue one is written by Matt Fraction and drawn by Mark Bagley. And it is a beautiful looking book in terms of the artwork. Um, Matt Fraction doing what a lot of people coming onto Fantastic Four for the first time do, which is try to find some new way to um, illustrate Reed's attempts to help his fa- help his family out but whilst discovering that there is an affliction that he is uh, perpetrated on them with the, uh, the cosmic radiation. Um, but it's sort of it, it, it. There's not enough in this first issue to actually sell it as a great run. But there's at least enough um, small character moments 
um, between the family members to at least get you into the book. It does it does set up who Reed is, it does set up Johnny Storm and it does introduce you and get you moving forward. And I like the core concept of them having to take a, a gap year effectively and take the family on an interdimensional jaunt. Um, it's a it's a fun book. It pro- uh, I will continue to read it. This is one of the few ones that I've gone. I'll read beyond this issue. Cool. Coming up next is myself with Cable and the X Force. What was Cable and X Force? Not the X Force. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, there's really not much that can really be said about this comic. I mean, it is it is what it is. I mean, it's it's Cable and a bunch of badass people being badass. Um, it's written by Hopeless, drawn by uh, Salvador La Roca who is awesome, uh, but the storyline is just very, very by the numbers, Cable doing his thing, I mean, just Cable being Cable, not, you know, he's got his mission, he doesn't tell anybody what it is, including his own teammates, he goes off and does what he does, and, you know, everybody, every now and again, there's a cool, sort of a, look at us, we're cool moment, other than the, the only thing that sort of kept me going was uh, the art, which is, which is awesome, like I said, um, and the fact that it has hope in it, um, I'm a big fan of the character Hope, uh, I think she's pretty cool, uh, it does have a, a pretty groovy sequence uh, where Hope and Domino have to stop uh, a techno-virus attack at a beach. But other than that, it really is a nothing series, and uh, I don't think I'll continue. I think it's totally just selling books, man. They just invested in the way this book looks. Yeah. Um, you know, They know a lot of new readers coming in. Maybe they picked up some books in the 90s are going to love Cable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And if he's on every cover, then they'll sell a few books. I think that's all it is. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's such a shame because I'm an absolute massive fan of Uncanny X-Force. To, for this comic to use the same name and dilute its awesomeness is, <laughs> uh, is not cool. <laughs> but anyway, what can you do? There is another, there is another X-Force, uh, there's Uncanny X-Force, which we'll get to later, uh, which helps. But uh, this does not avoid. Don't pull. Uh, <laughs> next up, Richo with Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man is written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by Greg Land. If you've seen the movies, you pretty much know exactly the type of approach they'll be taking to Iron Man. He's shallow and vacuous, but also incredibly intelligent. I think Gillen has a very good handle on Iron Man, though, um, as a character, and he does a very good job in those first uh, few issues of telling us who Iron Man is and who Tony Stark is, and more importantly, how, how he works. Um, what he does. There is a little bit of an assumption that you know the character and that you have seen the movies, um, especially in relation to the supporting cast and especially in relation to Pepper Potts as part of the supporting cast. But look, this was actually this was actually not a bad read at all. Um, its problem is its artwork. Yes! And this comes back to Greg Land's tracing of models and... like. <laughs> It, it, when it comes to talking heads, that's fine, you know. I mean, if it's just heads talking to one another, assuming, of course, that you use the one model and that you don't have her doing her O face all the time, then it's not so bad. Um, my problem here is with his action sequences and his general storytelling. There are all these, there are these fight scenes and action sequences in this book that should be big and exciting and should really get, draw you into the book and you know be a real complement to all of the character work that, um, that Gillen's doing. But instead, they are so boring and so stunted and they look so stiff and um, that you're actually drawn out of the action sequences <laughs> by, the, by the artwork. And I just I do not understand how this guy just continues to get work on high-profile books... Spot on. ...when 
his storytelling is possibly the worst in comics right now. Totally with you. I know, I know exactly. I think the exact same thing. I know exactly what you're what you're saying there. Yeah, look, he's, he really is. He really is spoiling what should be a much better book. Yeah, it, I, I looked through this book. I, I haven't bought it, but um, I read it at the store, and um, yeah, absolutely. It's just um, it's just kind of bland where it should be. You know, Iron Man should be more exciting explosions and and big things you know like big things fighting each other yeah um, but yeah it's just really stiff it feels really stiff that's a good way to word it i, I didn't think of that yeah so i had a facetious comment to make about you know um betty page suddenly being the model suddenly looking like 50 different characters but, <laughs> but it's just the, the, the thing about land i mean, I, I, t- I agree with everything you said i mean it's, it's land i just don't understand how this guy is work still working in the business i just yeah. don't get it I mean, it's, if this was a, an R-rated podcast, I'd make some sort of a comment about doing things to get to the top. But uh, it's just, it's just, he's just awful. And the fact that he, it's been proven, I mean, it's been proven without a doubt that he traces, but not only traces just models and, you know, catwalk models and stuff like that, he traces porn. I mean, he traces <laughs> porn to go into a Marvel comic. It's been proven. It's just, it's... come on, Marvel. Get your heads out of your bums and fire this dude immediately. <laughs> It, it, I, don't, I don't. I don't mind him doing it sometimes, but it's like he. Like, I'm an artist, and if if all I did was draw the exact model that I could like take a picture of somebody and then draw that model, you know, that's good for some things. But in some things, you kind of have to insinuate movement. Like you have to. Yeah. You know, a real in real life, they wouldn't look like that. Yeah. Um, what's the artist that's on powers? Um, My, uh, Michael Lavon Oming. Oming, yeah. Oh, Oming, yeah, yeah. That guy, I love the look of that guy's stuff and it's really not that complicated the way it's drawn it's just the movement that he puts in it you know awesome. yeah he's he's it, it comes down to storytelling if you're doing pin-ups greg land's approach might be fine but if you were doing sequential storytelling then the panels have to flow and the movement of the characters have to flow and you have to get a sense that you're reading a story not just looking yeah. at a bunch of possibly pretty pictures and exactly. I think, yeah, whereas Oming's stuff, it's it's dynamic, there's an energy to it, and the storytelling is superb. Yeah. Whereas Land just doesn't have any of that at all. He's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Final word. He, he, could, he could be a perfect artist in a different industry. He's just he's just not a, an action comics artist. Exactly know, he right. He should be drawing pamphlets or something. I don't know what the hell he should be drawing. But... <laughs> and like you said before, but, there, but there, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with using models, but there's a difference between using reference and just out-and-out out tracing. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, moving on to Luke with FF. This is the book that um, surprised me the most and I enjoyed the most out of the relaunch. Um, it's again written by Matt Fraction but um, illustrated by the delightful Mike Allred. So going from um, the, one of the worst artists in the industry to actually one of the best artists in the industry. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and you have, you have to read this issue in tandem with having read Fantastic Four because the whole idea of setting up FF um, is that they are standing in for the Fantastic Four for the four minutes that the Fantastic Four is using for their interdimensional um, quantum jaunt through the quantum world. Um, and they just want a group of people who will stand ready to protect the world for the four minutes that they're going to be gone. Um, so they get Scott Lang, they get She-Hulk, um, they get Johnny Storm's new girlfriend. In a thin costume. In a thin costume. And who's the other one? Uh, Medusa. Medusa. Um to stand guard over the world and it's not a it's not an action heavy issue at all but it's very funny i love a lot of the characters in in the the surrounding um 
supporting cast, like the Mole Men who are who are worship Ben Grimm. Yeah. Um, and I think is it, is it Balthazar, Balthazar thirteen? Yeah. And um, the the kid who wants to subjugate the rest of humanity, thought found absolutely hilarious. Mike Ar- Michael Allred's artwork is as usual um, superlative, and adds immensely to the world that they've created here. I think that my only problem with FF is that it's going to be cancelled because it's too good. <laughs> I, just, I just know it's going to be cancelled in like six mm. issues because it's, it's it's too good for the target audience that Marvel now is meant to be. Which is a shame because it's the one title that I, when I, as soon as I read, I went, okay, I'm going to actually pursue this title actively. So yeah, don't just don't get too attached. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the first synopsis of this first issue that I've ever heard, and it sounds really good. I think I'm going to pick this up. Mm. It's see, I, I love Allward. Absolutely love it. He's like the anti-Greg Land when it comes to storytelling. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to myself with Deadpool. Um, so as I gave a sort of a brief hint earlier on, I'm, I'm not the biggest Deadpool fan. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I don't mind him as a character. I just don't I just don't think he needs to be in 50 books a month. It's just insane. That's his thing, man. Yeah, I know. It's, just, it's weird. <laughs> it's just, he's, he's everywhere. He's, he's absolutely everywhere. And it's a shame because I actually think it sort of dilutes just how funny he can be. Mm. I mean, I have read some really, really good Deadpool stuff. Unfortunately, this is not it. It's written by uh, Brian Posehan and uh, Jerry Dugan, um, or Duggan, uh, and the artist is Tony Moore. Um, now, the, the artwork is uh, is perfectly fine. It's perfectly serviceable. Uh, but the story is just unbelievably boring. It's 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 tries so hard to be funny. I mean, it deals with uh, a ex-S.H.I.E.L.D. agent um, resurrecting... Uh, the presidents, or the dead presidents of the United States, in order to uh, change the world and sort of you know bring back. It's that typical sort of oh, wasn't it better back in the good old days sort of stuff. But uh, being undead, they of course then start doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and it's up to Deadpool to take him out. Um, it doesn't sound like a very my synopsis wasn't very interesting, and that's because the story is not very interesting. The Void. That's basically all I can say. Even if you're a Deadpool fan, this is not for you. I feel like Deadpool is just a gateway drug. Like people that that kind of view comics from the outside looking in, they'll try out Deadpool. They'll go through a Deadpool phase, and then sometimes it'll lead them to you know something else, you know, in the Marvel universe. But most people just go through a phase. Like I don't know any like diehard like been reading Deadpool since you know the late '80s or anything. You know, nobody's just like completely sold on Deadpool. I think it's just a, a phase everybody goes through. Oh, I feel I've got actually got a friend named Frank. Um, I don't know if he's going to be my friend now after this review, but uh, <laughs> um, he's absolute die-hard Deadpool. I mean, he's followed it from the, his very first appearance, and he'll keep on going. So I'd be interested to hear uh, his opinion on this on this comic, actually. But uh, you know, he's he's massive. But you're right in, in terms of Deadpool. I went through a, a short Deadpool phase back when he was headed yeah, around with Cable, um, and yeah, that was pretty funny. I mean, I was I had a bit of a brief chuckle. I mean, he wasn't Spider-Man level of funny, but he was you know he was all right. I had a brief Deadpool phase when Deadpool was well written and well drawn. Yeah, well that's, that's basically it. That's basically when it, back when he was actually funny. And just the shame of this is it's just, it's just not funny. Uh, moving on to Richo and the decidedly not funny Morbius the Living Vampire. Okay, Morbius is written by Joe Keating and penciled by uh, Richard Elson. He's a pseudo-vampire and look, as a first issue... This does its job. Hmm. It introduces who Morbius is. It tells you how he got his powers, what his abilities are. Gives you an insight into his personality. Establishes um, 
you know, the, the new status quo for the character, um, establishes the new city that he's going to be operating in. Um, look, it, it succeeds as a first issue. Um, my only problem is I just don't care. Mm. I've, I've never really been a, <laughs> never really been a fan of Morbius to begin with. Um, and if I was a fan, I think this issue would work very well. There, there's nothing here to really complain about. The artwork's nice. The storytelling's good. Um, it's you know it's, it's reasonably well written and everything. But there's also nothing really very exciting about the book. Nothing that leaps out and says, "Oh my god, I must continue to buy this series." So I'm really curious about this one. I, I, I haven't read issue one, but um, I've got my eye on it. I'm hoping it does well because I am kind of curious. I am kind of curious about this character. I hope that this does well because I want to pick it up. <laughs> it does have an awesome cover. The cover was yeah. very nice, yes. That, that is poster worthy. Yeah. Great stuff. That's that's just a running theme of the the current Marvel now. Is this, the, the, quite a lot of the covers have been really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, Comic Country will be all about the cover. <laughs> uh, we have Luke with The Indestructible Hulk. Um, the Indestructible Hulk is written by Mark Wade and um, illustrated by Lionel Francis Yu. And to talk about the artwork briefly first, Lionel Francis is who I'm not a huge fan of. His artwork here is at least serviceable, um, for the most part. It still has its usual storytelling flaws, and the line work is not as um, refined as I might like. But for me, the strength is um, Mark Wade, who I'm a big fan of. And mm-hmm. even though it's more set up than anything else in there, there's an imbalance between the talking and the action. He sets up the idea that Banner has finally gotten it through to his head that curing the Hulk is a mistake, that he is a genius-level scientist, and that instead of running in fear, he should be up there with guys like Tony Stark and Reed Richards and be using his intellect and his knowledge to actually furthering um, technology and mankind in general. And so what, he's done is he, what he does is he offers his services to S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, in an attempt to do that. And I really appreciated that. A different take with a character that wasn't Bruce Banner whinging and moaning about how how bad his life is as the Hulk, accepting it and moving on. Great, great art. Mm. No, no, not great art, but absolutely great art. <laughs> <laughs> they have also announced that Walt Simonson will be drawing some issues soon, so I'm very much looking forward to that because Simonson is awesome. So, uh, Moving on to me with the Superior Spider-Man. No, okay, I'm, now I'm... Do, do we need to prepare our nerd shields against your no, range I'm, I'm all raged out from uh, Avengers uh, Arena, I'm afraid. Alright, so Superior Spider-Man. Now, as our listeners know, I am uh, the biggest Spider-Man fan in the room. Um, although, now Bo's here. Uh, how big a Spider-Man fan are you, Bo? Yeah, I was, oh, I'm a pretty big Spider-Man fan. I was going to say, I don't know if uh, internationally you're the biggest Spider-Man fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty big. I mean, let's face it. I mean, as, as our listeners will know, my reaction upon meeting Stan Lee uh, was pretty embarrassing for all for all. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, me and, my, me and my wife got to meet him too. It was a lot of fun. Oh, awesome. So what you're saying is, after meeting you, he gets sick and cancels all his con appearances. So it was showing him <laughs> that picture. <laughs> I've got a picture of myself that I got at uh, at a, a theme park here called Dreamworld um, of like a cover. It's like a sort of a fake cover of Spidey with no head. And it's one of those things where they put your head onto the onto the image. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's tacky as hell. But I showed that to Stan Lee <laughs> when I met him. And he, and he and, uh, he, he's because he's such a nice person, he feigned you know, excitement. He's like, oh, gee, that's great. And I was like, oh, my God, I love you. Uh, so that was pretty cool. But um, so Superior Spider-Man um, is uh, is the follow-up to the end of the Amazing Spider-Man run with 700, uh, which doubt, and I'm, I'm not going to call spoiler alert because if you don't know by now, then you haven't been on the internet, where Peter's body is taken over by 
uh, Otto Octavius Dr. Octopus. Um, I actually did, we actually got some feedback. We talked about this a couple of episodes back, and we got some feedback asking, it's like, well, if you're such a huge Spider-Man fan, why didn't you go into a massive nerd rage when you had the chance? Because we, we discussed it briefly, and then we moved on. And this is the reason why, because I wanted to see, I mean, I did a post on the website about it, but I also wanted to see just exactly how Superior Spider-Man was going to work. I'm glad I waited, because at my first, obviously my first reaction, just like every other Spider-Man fan, was, you know, this is an outrage. Um, I didn't go quite as far as some people who felt the need to threatens Dan Slott's life, uh, which is just a disgrace. Um, but I was pretty upset, and uh, mainly because I just thought that it was just not the end that Peter deserved. I mean, this is this is Marvel's flagship character. I mean, like Superman in the DC, Spider-Man is, you know, Marvel. And for him to go out that way, I just I just thought was just, just unfair, really. Yeah, I, um, I felt that way too, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, some people really liked how the story was done. Uh, I don't because I actually don't think Dan Slott's a very good writer. But that's, that's, I just think the end was not very good. But of course, being comics and because being uh, their flagship character and with a new movie coming out, um, it couldn't last forever. It was so I wasn't that upset about it because I knew it would it would come to an end eventually. Superior Spider-Man One um, has Otto, you know, basically being Spider-Man. He's he's vowed that he's not going to be a villain. He's going to be a good guy, but with his own sort of twisted slant. Because let's face it, the guy's a psychopath. So he's yeah. he's still trying to be a good guy, but in a weird way. But he kind of questioned Otto's motives because, you know, as a villain, he wanted to be world famous for being a villain. That was kind of the cards that he was dealt. He he was a villain. As a superhero, he kind of still has that mentality of well, like I will be. You know, everyone will know my name. Like everyone will tremble at the sound of the name. You know, Peter Parker or Spider Man, Otto Octavius. You know, like hmm. he's. In, in the whole first issue, he's pissed because the new Sinister Six is like, you know, a bunch of nobodies. And he's like, you guys would never be the Sinister Six that I was. You know, you you newcomers don't know, you, know, you don't know anything about, you know, the way it used to be. And that and that was his motivation for, for stopping them. And, and he was going to kill them. And then, you know, you had the whole split Peter Parker personality thing come in and stop him. I, I really like it. I mean, I... um. I agree with what you said about the death of Peter Parker. That's not how I expected him to die. It, but if I really thought this were the end of the comic, I would hate it. I would hate Dan Slott. I would think that it was just terrible. But this is not going to last a year. Like this is just a story beat. And as a story beat, Dan Slott is amazing. Like I think that I think that if you think about it as a story beat, it's such a it's such a great it's so great writing, man. And and there's stuff I remember. Um, he does this thing where he pulls back, like all the way back from big time. Um, Otto Octavius had been plotting this whole body switch thing, you know, I mean, there's there's clues from, you know, it's it's like lost within the Spider-Man universe, there's cute clues from, like, you know, so many issues ago that this whole thing was building up all along. I think that Dan Slott, like, does an amazing job with, uh, with, with Spider-Man. I think that, I think that this whole thing with him dying in 700, like, Amazing Spider-Man, they'll go to, like, some kind of renumbering or something, like, it'll, it'll be back. It's, in my mind, it's still going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I mainly agree. I mean, you're right. They'll they'll bring it back. They've done it before. They cancelled and and then brought it back and had to renumber it all. I mean, it, it, it'll Amazing Spider-Man will be will be back. Um, I do I do agree with the the clues that he's laid behind. I mean, he, the, this story was definitely years in the making, and you can right. you can clearly see that, and that's cool. I'm cool with that. The reason I don't like Dan Slott as a writer, is I just don't like his characterization. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's you know, it's personal opinion. Um, it's so yeah. So Superior Spider-Man. So yeah. So like you said, he takes out the Sinister Six, um, and then of course Ghost Spidey shows up. So um, 
there's a bit of conjecture on whether it is actually ghost Spidey or whether it's sort of the aspect of his personality. I, I'm leaning more towards the ghost thing, but that that to me shows that uh, this story is not this storyline is not going to go for that much longer because um, Peter is clearly back. He's not dead, and uh, he will eventually. And I'm betting within another you know, ten or so issues, get his body back and everything will go back to normal. Um, one of the main reasons I was upset about Seven Hundred um, was uh, Otto's. Uh, obsession is the only word I can use with Mary Jane um, and I made it very clear in my post that if Otto you know, in Peter's body uh, manages to have sex with Mary Jane then that is basically rape because she's, yeah. uh, she's having sex with someone unbeknownst to her without her permission and, yeah. uh, and I, I would be very, just very disappointed if that actually happened um, in a, a Spider-Man of, comic. A lot of people are really uncomfortable with that, definitely. Yeah. Um, but luckily, uh, Marvel uh, either was either Dan Slott was aware of that sort of situation and has corrected it, uh, or you know Marvel have sort of put their foot down. However, however they did it, Superior Spider-Man has put an end to that because um, Otto, in quite a clunky scene, I thought, but I was just glad that it happened. Um, it was Otto has basically said, "Look, we can't be together as a couple because it keeps putting you in danger." And I swore a vow to make sure that you would never be in danger. Um, so. Uh, Thank God that has happened, because <laughs> now I can keep reading Spider-Man. I don't have to cancel the title. <laughs> On the flip side, though, I mean, completely anti-nerd rage. Um, I actually quite enjoy Superior Spider-Man. I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say. I, I think it's actually quite a lot of fun. Um, the whole Otto trying to you know, be a hero, but still basically a bastard, um, is pretty yeah. cool. I mean, he takes down the Sinister Six like they're nothing. Um, and he basically does a whole bunch of stuff that Spidey should do. And... Uh, the whole, I love, I'm just, I'm really loving the whole aspect of, um, you know, I've got all, I mean, it's, it basically every second page is Otto saying, Peter Parker is an idiot, <laughs> because he has all these advantages, I mean, he's good looking, he has Mary Jane, who clearly loves him, he's got this intellect that he just, he just wastes, and uh, he could be huge, and, you know, I'm going to do it, you know, every second issue, every second page, and uh, and he is, he's like, he's improving on, on Peter's stuff, and and uh, you know, taking out bad guys and stuff like that. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. I just, I'm just, I'm glad that it'll be a short period thing. Or at least I hope it is. And I'm always right, I, so it will be. I, I like it, but yeah, I'm hoping that I don't even want to see this go a whole year. Like I want to see him do like maybe five or six issues and then move on. But I have a feeling it's going to last an entire year. Yeah, I agree. It'll, it, they'll pump it as much as they want. I, I guarantee you, I'll be willing to bet anything you want that it'll end before Amazing Spider-Man Two comes out. Oh yeah, yeah no doubt in my mind sure. that Peter will be back by that point. Yeah, but up until that point, they're going to you know ride it for whatever they can. Yeah. They're not going to miss the opportunity to make a million dollars off of Amazing Spider-Man. You know, like yeah, we we might as well foresee that coming. It's definitely definitely going to be bad by then. And that's when you're going to get your new number one. Yeah, I think as well they will they will milk that for all it's worth as well. Anyway, so yeah, so Superior Spider-Man, check it out. It's actually quite good. Moving on with Richo to New Avengers. Earlier I talked about Avengers and it's um, what I felt its weakness being a lack of characterization. Um, New Avengers is the complete opposite of that. Really, New Avengers is basically the Black Panther, but named New Avengers. Like, it's really it's really the Black Panther's book. And um, Hickman, by, by doing it that way, by focusing on the Black Panther, and also by establishing in right at the start of the book that the Black Panther was the one who actually... Um, didn't want to join this Illuminati group. 
um, in the first place. So by establishing that and then focusing the entire story on the Black Panther, this book actually really works for me. It's, it's, he's basically introducing this concept of the Illuminati, which I must admit I wasn't that familiar with. I knew it existed, but um, having sort of not really read a lot of Marvel's comics in the last few years, I didn't really know the details of the Illuminati. But by, by creating a focus, a focus character, a point of view character that doesn't like the concept of the group, but it actually needs the group to come in and, and actually aid him with the problem that he's dealing with, I think that works really well. It introduces the concept of the Illuminati um, in, in, in a way that isn't just giving you exposition, in a way that's still giving you insight into the lead character as well. I think, as always, Steve Epting's artwork is fantastic. Um, he's clearly one of the best uh, artists that Marvel has working for them. Um, yeah, this, this book actually worked for me. I didn't actually expect it to because, to be honest with you, I don't. I think the idea of the Illuminati is kind of stupid. Um, especially given, I've sort of now done a little bit of reading, given that this group is meant to have existed since the Kree-Skrull War, kind of makes them pretty much the most ineffective group in the history <laughs> of the Marvel. I mean, they're basically saying that this group of geniuses and powerful people everything, has not been able to stop any of the major events that have occurred since yeah, the Kree-Skrull War, which was 19, what, 1969. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, You're on um, the money there. Yeah, but um, but having said that, this issue, by focusing on the Black Panther, who I've always thought was actually quite an interesting character with a lot of potential that hadn't often been realised, by focusing on him, I think this works really well as a story, and um, it's certainly one that I'm going to keep an eye out on, and uh, keep an eye on, and, um, you know, if it continues in the vein that it's been going, then I think it'll be one of the successes of, the, of Marvel now. Next up we have Luke with Journey Into Mystery. Journey into Mystery is one of the Thor tie-in tie-in titles. I will get that right. Uh, it concentrates on Sif um, as she journeys through the Nine Realms in search of the Warriors Three, um, who have gone missing. I confess I've not been catching up on my Thor recently, so I don't know exactly what's been going on. But um, well, it, follow, it follows on from Siege. Wasn't yeah. Well, I haven't been reading Siege. Um, That's good because it's terrible. Yeah, it, it, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, oh my god, I'll slap you. Uh, <laughs> I will kill you. Hey, you way. just said a Bendis book was terrible, so... <laughs> it wasn't just him. Siege was a whole bunch of Marvel writers. Okay. <laughs> and they all sucked. <laughs> he was awesome. Anyway, moving on. So, Sif's going in search of the Warriors 3, and um, this is written by Catherine Immerman. Uh, one of the things I do appreciate is uh, Sif's strong characterization. She does come across as a warrior woman. Plus, I liked the um, the attempts to re to incorporate the wider Norse mythology into the Marvel version of the Norse mythology. So, having said that, it's not a great issue, and you probably do need to read before um, the title before this and Thor itself as well to get a sort of a, a grounding in what it exactly is that um, is going on. Serviceable, but not brilliant. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I enjoyed the title. I think I think Sif's pretty cool. The, the best thing about it for me is the covers by uh, Jeff Decal. Mm. My god, magnificent. Okay, so next up is me with the Thunderbolts. Uh, now, as we've discussed uh, a bit on the show previously, I'm a big fan of the later iteration of the Thunderbolts. Uh, Richo's a big fan of the earlier edition of the Thunderbolts. Um, but between the two of us, we've read all the Thunderbolts. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Okay, so without, without wanting to sound like a broken record, I'll just start off by saying that the covers are magnificent. Um, if the whole co comic was done um, in that style... Anybody who didn't buy this book would be an idiot. Um, that being said, the interior art is actually um, 
is quite good as well because it's uh, Dylan, um, who's probably best known for his Punisher work. Sorry, Steve Dillon. Yep, Steve Dillon. Oh. Um, so that's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, the the very first page of, Thun- of Thunderbolts number one is the Punisher. So it's like, well, you know, he's he's sticking to type. So the current Thund- this current Thunderbolt books, this iteration of Thunderbolts is uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. So it all works. Uh, who is now currently the Red Hulk? Um, puts together a team of um, of badasses uh, in order to basically solve problems around the world. That you know that require violence, and he's sort of a system of justice. So it's nothing new. I mean, let's face it; it's been done a hundred times before. This this book's uh, like it's it's by the numbers. It does everything it needs it needs to do. It's got Deadpool in it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Deadpool, Venom, uh, Elektra, basically all the assassins, um, Punisher. Like I said previously, uh, they look cool. It's like they, it's got that whole sort of we're cool because we kill sort of sort of factor to it. But really, it's it's really not that interesting. I, if it wasn't such a pretty book, um, I would probably avoid. Yeah, it looks amazing. Um, every time I walk by, I, I want to buy this, but I'm on a budget, man. I can't just buy every cool-looking book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve Dillon is a great artist, no doubt about that. But the covers, holy crap. Awesome. <laughs> uh, moving on to... Richo with Savage Wolverine. Talking about covers. God, <laughs> <laughs> Frank Cho's awesome. Okay, oh. Savage Wolverine is basically just a Frank Cho love fest. Really, <laughs> the book exists because Frank Cho is a very nice artist. He's a very good storyteller. Um, he's got Shannon the She-Devil in the book, so there's plenty of opportunities for the gratuitous cheesecake artwork that he does. Um, I must admit he tones that down a bit in this book. Like you don't get you don't get too many of the ridiculous like gratuitous butt shots and things that he's always always likes to put into his books. Except for the cover. Except for the cover. Which is basically um, a butt shot. And look, you know, this is a fairly simple adventure title. Looks pretty. There's 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 sort of nothing new or groundbreaking about it. I mean, you know, it's Frank Cho sending Wolverine into the Savage Land so that he can draw Shannon the She Devil and lots of dinosaurs, <laughs> which is always his thing. Yeah. Um but look, you know, he's a, he's a nice artist. He's got a good, clean style about him. Um, his storytelling is good. Uh, for me, though, I'm kind of bored with Wolverine. Yeah. Um, this is this is a nice Wolverine adventure tale. You know, um, he could be teaming up with Lara Croft or anybody, <laughs> or Indiana Jones in this book. You know, that's that's really the style of storytelling that Frank Cho is going for here. And and in that regard, it's yeah, it's it's fine. Um, I'm just not really interested in Wolverine anymore. Yeah, Wolverine is a great... I, I like Wolverine, but yeah, it's way overdone. Like, Wolverine is so played out. Um, but I will I will definitely buy this book. I love Frank Cho's art. Um, I actually am still a fan of Wolverine, even though I understand the, I understand the drawback. Um, and I have a great Frank Cho story that I have to tell. Um, me and my wife were at Heroes Con last year, and we were getting a sketch by Frank Cho, and... Um, he actually, it was like around the time he would normally take a lunch break, but his line was too long. And so um, he gave me and my wife some money to go buy him a hot dog from the hot dog stand and then bring it back to him. And then on the sketch he wrote, thanks for the hot dog, you know, Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. McCoy. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. So cool. That is awesome. Well, I'll tell you now. Then this is definitely the book for you because, um, <laughs> really, it, it really is just a, just a, a really just a showcase for what makes Frank Cho such a good and popular artist. Uh, next up is Luke with Red She-Hulk. Talking about ridiculous. 
Yeah, this is written by Jeff Parker, who I'm a big fan of, thanks to Agents of Atlas. And really all I've got to say is, what the hell? <laughs> this is the worst. Of all the ones I've read, this is the worst. I still actually don't know what is going on in the issue. Yeah. Um, it doesn't help that it's issue 58, not issue 1. It, there's clearly something else that's gone on before this, but I had no idea. I, I knew that Betsy was the Red She-Hulk, because I've read Matt Fraction, some of Matt Fraction's Defenders. But I've got no idea who the characters are. I've got no idea what the purpose of the series is. Um, this is just bad. There is a good version of a character called She-Hulk appearing in FF. You know, if you're a fan, if you're a fanboy and want more, you know, tub thump Marvel, Marvel for that version because that's the good She-Hulk. This She-Hulk, avoid, bad, terrible, naughty Marvel. <laughs> yeah. In terms, in terms of uh, their their relaunch, it just doesn't work because you're right. You actually need to have read the issues before it, which I did. I went back and read the issues before it. Um, it's it it really tells you nothing about what's going on. Yeah, it throws it, you right into the deep end. What the hell is this book? Yeah, is it spy? Is it military? Is it superheroes? It something. Just give us an idea about what the book's meant to be about. I've got no idea. Avoid. Yeah. Don't pull. Okay. <laughs> Don't pull. Don't pull. <laughs> okay, so back to me with Uncanny X-Force. Uh, as I said uh, earlier, I'm a, I was a big fan of uh, the X-Force series. Um, I thought it was very, very well done. Uh, this, unfortunately, is not. Uh, so it's written by Sam Humphreys uh, with art by Ron Garney. Now, Ron Garney's uh, very much a uh, sort of... A, Mark Silvestri slash Jim Lee sort of artist. Um, I don't mind him. He's all right. Yeah, it's, it, this does actually follow on from uh, X-Force. So at the end of uh, the X-Force, the uh, previous X-Force run uh, called Final Execution, um, the X-Force team is disbanded because Wolverine wants to sort of focus on the school um, and uh, everybody sort of goes their separate ways. And there are deaths. I won't spoil it for you if you haven't read it already. Uh, so this deals... Uncanny X-Force, uh, the Marvel Now version, deals mainly with... Psylocke. Uh, so she uh, had a few uh, dramas in the in the previous series. Her lover at the time, Angel, was being reborn as a new person who has no memory of her of his previous stuff, um, including the Archangel stuff. So he's a completely different person, sort of childlike, and so their relationship's over and done with. Um, she and she's also had uh, quite sort of. She's basically done horrible things. Uh, is to uh, to get where she is at, at the moment. So she's. She's an angry, angry person, and uh, that doesn't stop in uh, the, X- the new X-Force series. She's still very angry. Uh, Wolverine essentially kicks her out of the school, <laughs> basically says, you're too scary, go off and find yourself and uh, you know, stop scaring my kids and, uh, and uh, get back. Wolverine uh, says that? Yeah, basically Wolverine boots her out. Which Wolverine! Is- which that's, is- that's the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Which is pretty funny. <laughs> Um, so uh, so she goes off and she's accompanied by the, the new and improved Storm who's uh, rejoined the school uh, and it's not a lot happens in this first issue it's basically just Betsy being angry and I'm a, I'm a big Psylocke fan I, I really like uh, Psylocke as a character I think she's awesome um, I've, I've liked all her iterations especially the Lady Mandarin um, I, so I, I was actually really quite excited about this but this is actually quite boring you, you get to see Spiral which is awesome so Spiral makes a, an appearance and Judging from the cover, also joins the team. You wouldn't know from this issue because that doesn't happen. But what's more important, though, in terms of the entire Marvel Universe, is that Bishop is back. Uh, so Bishop uh, returns uh, from his uh, space jaunting and, and uh, basically being a psychopath. Uh, so he's returned to 616, and he's very excited about it because in the panel he's, I'm back! <laughs> um, so who knows what that, uh, what that means for the rest of the Marvel Universe, but considering he's a nutbag, probably nothing good. 
what it means is he's come back to bore the Marvel Universe. Because, <laughs> my God, Bishop is a boring character. He's, he was boring when he first appeared. Yeah. He, he wasn't interesting when they made him sane, insane, no. and he's, he's not no. interesting now. <laughs> so, anyway, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I will probably keep reading it because it's got um, Phantom X and uh, some mysterious new lady Phantom X. And like I said, I'm a Psylocke fan, so I'll, I'll, I will keep going. But if it's no good in the next three issues or so, then I'll, it's off, off the list. <laughs> I'm into this only because of Psylocke. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it. <laughs> cool. Well, I think um, they they have announced the new uh, Brian Wood X Men book yeah. that will also have Psylocke in it. So if this book does continue to suck, at least you'll have a good writer actually writing Psylocke later on as well. In their all female right. team. In their all. So female it's called X Men, but it's all female team. I mean, just call it the X Women and be done with it. But they're still X-Men. They've all been members of the X-Men. They are still the X-Men. I understand that, but if you make a focus on all female <laughs> team, do something about that title. So what you should say... So any, I'm excited. Any all-male team should be called, you know, the Avengers men or the... <laughs> so does that mean the new Defenders team should actually be called the Lady Defenders or something? Because they're all female as well. No, I'm cool with fearless <laughs> Defenders. Defenders defenders is gender neutral. Right, okay. So gender neutral is okay with me. <laughs> I'm looking no. forward to fearless Defenders, actually. I was disappointed it didn't come out this yeah, week. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it too. It looks like it could be interesting. Okay, next up is Luke with Thor, God of Thunder. Um, okay, this is written by Jason Aaron and... I'm going to use the term loosely illustrated by Isad Rubich. This is all over the place. It starts, that starts off with Thor in a village in Iceland, going through some legends and, you know, some mystical voodoo concerning beliefs in gods. Then goes to the present day where Thor visits another planet and, you know, encounters some interplanetary people who don't have gods, he investigates why he discovers gods have been murdered, and he starts fighting Beastie Matt, Beastie Godslayer, and then cuts to Future God, Future Thor, in which he's looking more like Odin, thanks to one eye and, you know, the sort of more corpulent frame, which suggests that he should probably hit the gym once in a while in the past hundred years, fighting oh. Beastly Godslayer again. And all I said there was going, well, this is just 24 pages of really poor storytelling. Jumps all over the place, no real... Uh, sense as to what the direction might actually be. Nothing clever with the jump cuts that it uses. Just seems to be more. I'm going to try and be. I'm going to try and be clever, but it doesn't actually tell me. It doesn't give me a reason to think that Jason Aaron is going to be clever. Avoid. Yeah, I actually had to read it twice because I was I, like, "What is going on?" I had to skip, go back and skip, but go back to pages and go. Hang on, have I actually missed something? Like yeah. you know, I haven't you know, accidentally clicked twice and missed a page or something like that. It, yeah. The the jump cuts don't work. No. They don't work, and there's no drama in the there's in the no middle drama. in the current like so the current story, the middle story. There is some like, emotion. There is some emotional context. Uh, we'll give it that. There is some emotional context, but there's no dramatic impulse behind that emotional context. That's right. I don't know the story, but um, the coloring is what makes it look so good, which was done by Deep White. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm the same way. His anatomy is kind of weird. I mean, I think maybe you get it or you don't get it, but I don't get it. Only a couple more to go. Next up is. Myself with Wolverine and the X Men. Now Wolverine, uh, it didn't uh, start off uh, in the Marvel Now. It uh, it was it doesn't join Marvel Now until like issue nineteen or something like that. So the Wolverine and the X Men was a, a title that uh, spun out of Schism, um, which is the uh, Cyclops and Wolverine disagreeing on the future of the of you know the mutant race and sort of going their separate ways. Wolverine goes off to create the Jean Grey School for Gifted Students or 
Jean Grey's Cool for Mutants or whatever the hell it's called. Who knows? It's got Jean Grey in the title. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's the complete polar opposite to what was happening in the rest of the X titles at the time. It's uh, it's fun. It's it's witty. It's banter. It's you know it's wacky stuff um, and uh, similar sort of thing to FF, uh, I suppose, mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Now, to, to be told, I actually didn't like it when I when it first started. So back before uh, the Marvel Now sort of stuff, I didn't hate it. I just I just didn't. It just wasn't really my sort of thing. I was sort of I was sort of really absorbed into. Um, I, I was I was going through this crazy period where I was reading everything that happened from Disassembled onwards, and like in the Marvel universe, and I just read like every single thing, even like Moon Knight and all that rubbish. So it was kind of weird. Um, so I was sort of really sort of deeply immersed in sort of like the serious, you know, this is really serious sort of stuff. So that it sort of I didn't really I couldn't really appreciate the sort of the wackiness about it. Um, and I sort of, uh, after the first four issues, I sort of just gave up and sort of left, you know, thought this is not for me. And of course I had to come back to it because uh, it was assigned to me for uh, the Marvel Now relaunch. And uh, I'm really glad I did because this is a great title. Um, this is really, just really, really well done. It's just, it's so fun um, and just lighthearted and, you know, just not so serious, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an enjoyable read. And it's got some really, really, really excellent artwork. Um, the first uh, story arc is drawn by Bradshaw, who has a very Art Adams sort of style to him. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a kiddie version of Art Adams, um, and it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, but it's got this awesome sequence where Kitty, um, who is a teacher at, at the school, Shadowcat, um, is interviewing uh, other teachers to come and to, to come and teach the students, and uh, they're all superhero based based teachers, and it's just. It's just in this really sort of old school sort of sitcom sort of style. It's like it's like why should you be a teacher here? And then it cuts to the next page and it's and it's Blade and he's like because I I will def- I will teach them to defend themselves from the from the evil of the night and th- not all of them will survive because you can't survive in this horrible world but at least some of them will. And uh, she's like next and so it sort of goes through that sort of old school comedy routine and uh, Deadpool appears and actually is funny. So Deadpool's like every you know after each each failed applicant Deadpool appears and pleads his case and gets booted out <laughs> the funniest bit is when an actual real human non-powered teacher shows up and says hey uh, actually we'll just teach them you know algebra um, and I'm actually a licensed teacher do any of you actually even have any qualifications anyway and she's like, she's, so, so Kitty's like next <laughs> and she goes until Storm arrives and she's Kitty's like oh my god Storm you've got to come back and so she does so Storm becomes the new teacher um, the other the other funny bit is there's actually a page where there's stuff happening in the middle of the page, but around the edges is uh, Dupe, who's the floaty green alien-looking mutant. I actually don't even know what he what he is really. He's like he's a mutant alien or something, but he's basically a flowing. He's basically like Slimer from the Ghostbusters. Um, and around the edges, he's doing wacky stuff. He's like beating people up because apparently he's ridiculously powerful. But because he's so nice, he doesn't wipe out the whole world. <laughs> so where he's just doing all this crazy stuff around the borders of the comic. I just thought that was just really clever and fun. So um, yeah, I I take back everything I said with the, for, for the first four issues. Wolverine and the X Men. Check it out. Got more to go, Richo, with Uncanny Avengers. So now I would have said that Uncanny Avengers was probably the flagship book. It was certainly the most hyped book for this relaunch. Um, it's written by Rick Remender. Um, who is be- seems to be uh, becoming one of the superstars at Marvel now, and drawn by John Cassidy, who just is a superstar. Um, awesome. 
So, you know, with, with Cassidy on artwork, you know it's going to be a beautiful-looking book. And I, so I knew really what to expect in that regards. But um, what actually surprised me about this book was the writing. I think the book does a very... It does a pretty good job, at least, of introducing uh, the core characters uh, to the team. It does a good job of establishing why those characters are there. You learn why the team exists, and this is this is a really important part. Um, after the events of Avengers versus X-Men, which I didn't read, so I don't really know what happened, but clearly something really bad happened. There's enough there to set up the characters, right. but they don't really give you the details of what's going on. They do. There is a certain uh, assumption that you've read this book, but um, the basically Captain America decides that he needs a group that will have Avengers and X-Men working together to bridge the 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 I suppose the schism that's that's formed between the two teams because of uh, Avengers versus X-Men, but also to present mutants in a very positive light to to the general public as well. Um, they start by getting Havoc to be their team leader. He's a former government man. He's a former government team leader. It makes sense to have him um, as the leader of the group, and it was the justification for that was fantastic. Um, the other thing I loved about this book is that it has the Scarlet Witch, my single favourite um, Marvel character, and it looks like they're actually trying to get her back onto the road to redemption, which is fantastic because I'm so sick of what's been done to her for the last eight years since Disassembled. Um, you know, you've got Rogue, one of my favourite X-Men in the team. Um, there's a promise in future issues that we're going to see Wonder Man and Sunfire um, and Wasp all coming together as well. So it, it, it's a really likeable team for me, personally. Um, and I think the storytelling is really good. Uh, the Red Skull is the villain, and what the Red Skull is doing in these issues is fantastic. Um, his His plan to basically steal the corpse of Professor Xavier, take his brain out and use it as a weapon, is very clever. Um, it's really, really clever. Um, and yeah, I've got to say, this book it pleasantly surprised me because with a title like Uncanny Avengers, I thought this book was going to be laughably bad. I really thought that this was just going to be the money-grabbing book. But they've justified not only the reason why the book exists, but why the individual people that are coming into the book, why they're there as well. Um and yeah, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised and impressed by it. Yeah, I feel like if they do this right, this would be this would be a really good book. Yeah, I think it's definitely a pull. Yeah, and they're, they're certainly off to a good start. Um, I, I'm hoping that they won't blow it, but they've certainly started it well. It could have so easily been terrible. Yeah, and it just was. I love oh, how yeah. they had to brought the Red Skull back. He's like a he's a clone that was in a tube for fifty years or something. Yeah, which and which enables them to sort of wipe away a lot of the more the, convoluted aspects yeah. of the Red Skull and just go back to the classic version of the villain, which yeah. I, once again is, is clever writing. And he's smart too, because he comes back and he sort of he watches TV and sort of watches what's happening yeah. behind the scenes and he thinks he's like, I've got no I can't compete physically. Yeah. I'm gonna take Xavier's brain. Yeah. Also <laughs> also um it it, it it finds the right balance between the big high-concept ideas and, and the adventure side of things and the superheroes, but also there's some really nice character moments as well. Yeah. So you get a real sense for who the characters are, which is, you know, I, I think a really positive thing. Okay, next up is me with X-Men Legacy. Um, now, this is um, a, a very interesting title in terms of its concept. Um, the previous X-Men Legacy title uh, was essentially Rogue and her team of X-Men going off and doing whatever. This one, though, is, is fascinating in that it's um, David Hallier is the centre character. David Hallier is 
uh, the son of Professor X. His, his code name is Legion, and his powers. He's an Omega level mutant in in the fact that he uh, he he essentially has no powers, but he has multiple psychs, so he's uh, multiple personality disorder. He has like a thousand of those, and each one of them has a power. There's basically nothing that he can't do, and uh, unfortunately, because he has multiple personality disorder, um, it's led to led to a sort of a, a mental breakdown. He's he spent most of his time in the comics being a bad guy, um, or just essentially causing mischief. But he's come out of um, this is actually it's, this sort of spins more out of um, the Age of X storyline that occurred in uh, X Men Legacy, where and in this universe, David was a hero and loved by all, and he could control his mental uh, deficiencies and everything was cool. So when that, that universe ended, he went back to being, you know, you know normal Legion, um, and he, but he decided to step up, and uh, he really wanted that sort of heroic sort of nature again, and so he's become a hero. Um, and he sort of he sort of diverged off from the X-Men a bit, uh, and sort of, sort of go his own way and sort of find himself. Uh, the first sort of story deals with him saving... Uh, two uh, Japanese mutants, uh, two young Japanese mutants who have activated post-AVX and sort of helping them out. So he thinks if I can help them, I can sort of prove to everybody that I am I am sane and everything's fine. Um, and he goes through some sort of dramas and, you know, and it helps them and they eventually join the Xavier School. Um, well, at least one of them does. Now, there's also got a interesting sort of... Okay, I'll, well, I'll, I'll start by saying that this comic's actually not very good, um, which is a shame. Uh, it's not very good in terms of just the artwork is so horrendously bad that it sort of pulls you away from the story, um, which is a shame because the story's the story's not that good. I mean, it's okay. Um, it's got a it's got a pretty cool little subplot where it's it, it turns out that it, like it appears it appears that uh, everything's being orchestrated by this this one villain. Um, so you know, it's it's okay sort of storytelling, but the artwork is so terrible. Um, it's uh, by Ten in Ten in hot halt is it halt h u a t h u a t yeah yeah what I think yeah ten ten in halt and it, I'm I'm sorry but it's just it's awful it's just it's so bad that you just can barely barely read the the actual comic and it's and it's a real shame because this this is a title that I I think has a lot of potential uh, but at the moment I'm just going to give it a pass I, I bet it gets cancelled yeah it'll get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so lucky last, but definitely not least, uh, Richo with Young Avengers. Yeah, Young Avengers by uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. This book is fun, which is such a rare thing for Marvel these days. It's fun, it's entertaining, the character work is really strong, um, the storytelling is very clear, uh, Jamie McKelvey's artwork is is lovely to look at, um, but it's very clear, like, you can follow the story perfectly. Um, it's really, this issue, there's not a huge amount of, uh, of things actually happening in the issue, but I'm really intrigued by the characters. Um, now, I'd read I'd read some previous Young Avengers stuff, so I knew those characters, but um, I don't really know a lot about Kid Loki or the new Miss America or anything like that, but what, what I saw in this book actually has me interested for... for both of the new characters, um, I get the feeling Kid Loki's going to be the character that actually steals steals the book because, um, yeah, right from the outset, you're, you're actually quite intrigued and entertained by him. Um, but yeah, I've got to say, this book was another really uh, pleasant surprise for me and I'm glad that uh, that The Young Avengers is getting another shot because for a long time it was, you know, Alan Heinberg's book and he just was never there to write it. 
So I'm glad that they've moved it to a new writer, that these characters are still there, and, and that the new characters are really interesting. Um, yeah, once again, like uh, Uncanny Avengers, it was another book that I was really pleasantly surprised by, um, and it's one that I'm going to continue to read now. Which, Same. Yeah, which is really nice. I'm just... A lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. They should take the characters out of Avengers Arena, which is awful, and put them well, into this. Well, really, this book is everything... Avengers team. This book is everything that Avengers Arena isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth uh, worth throwing onto your pull list. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, that is, that's uh, that's it for the Marvel Now coverage. It's huge. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the coverage of Marvel Now. I hope it uh, helps your, your decision on uh, what to pick up, what to pull, what not to pull. Uh, coming up next, coming soon. So coming to Australian cinemas February 7, we get Movie 43. Which has had a huge backlash online. Apparently, mm-hmm. it's the worst film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> the trailers are just terrible. So yeah, no, that's not a big call. Hansel and Gretel: Witch Hunters, which also looks pretty ordinary, but at least better than Movie Forty Three. And has made a uh, big, big that amount of cash. Terrible to me. Yeah, it's it, it's doing well though. Like at the box yeah. office, mm. it's cleaning up at the moment. So that's because it's it's competition is Movie Forty Three. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lincoln, which has also been out in the states. Uh, previously, so so far, have you seen any of these? these? These have all been out in the states for a while. No, I haven't. Um, Lincoln, I saw uh, Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and if I see the new Lincoln movie, I'll just be waiting on him to kill a vampire the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Lincoln is obviously uh, Spielberg's effort and Academy mm-hmm. Award nominated film. So we'll discuss that on our Academy Awards show. On then on the following week, February fourteen, we get Anna Karenina, uh, Romeo and Juliet, another remake. What? <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, and funnily enough, coming to the big screen, the Sweeney. That's I kid right. you not. That's all right. Yeah, I'd heard about that. Wow, that week sounds like uh, it's like you know a, a must see for original. Um... <laughs> That's a stay home and watch DVDs week. Mm. I mean, that is a shock. Oh, Anna Karenina, I must confess, kind of is intriguing. The whole is it a theater? Is, is it a is it a piece of theater? Is it a um, a story in and of itself? That's the whole thing you're meant to be watching. A performance. You meant to be what the film is meant to be: actors playing the characters on stage. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just not going to see it. <laughs> but, you know, your synopsis of this was pretty cool. If it was Android Karenina, then it might be a bit better. I might check it out. Have you seen any of those, Bo? No, not at all. <laughs> Doesn't sound like he's going to either. <laughs> is he interested? I don't think Australia gets any of the good movies. Oh! <laughs> you know, you're probably right there. Mm. We we he... we would get maybe maybe one quarter of what gets released in the US uh, actually shown at the cinema. Like they'll all come out on DVD, but oh, okay. yeah, but very rarely do we get them at the cinemas. Huh. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. which is a shame. But no. Oh, well. There Although we do, we do get some things before you guys. Like, we got Thor about a month before America did. That's right. We got Avengers before you too. So That's you right, go. yeah. So there. Yeah. Australia. Aussie, we're, Aussie, Aussie. We, we, we are living in the future. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. It's suddenly, suddenly patriotic. <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense how you guys are in the future, but you get... You get old movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 seriously, it's always been a problem. So that's coming soon. Uh, so as I mentioned at the start, uh, Big Top Network, we've got a, our first sponsor. How exciting is that? Yeah, so uh, the awesome guys at totallyirreverent.com.au um, uh, are sponsoring us, and they are very generously giving away a free T-shirt 
Um, so, like I said at the start, all you need to do is find the pick that I'll be posting on the website, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, comment on the website post, uh, like the Facebook post, uh, or retweet the Twitter post. Um, and uh, next episode, we'll put all the all those people those names into a, the NCP hat and uh, pick out the winner, and you get to pick a T-shirt of your choosing from the website. So, very exciting. What kinds of T-shirts do they have? Oh, there's all sorts of crazy sort of nerd T-shirts. There's Star Trek and Stormtroopers and Star Wars and Ghost Rider and Spider-Man. They've got an awesome Spider-Man one, which is the cover of uh, Spider-Man issues. Magnificent. That's cool stuff, man. Oh, that's awesome. So let's finish up. This has been a huge, huge episode. Bo, thank you so much for putting up with us. No problem. Had a blast. So if I didn't, uh, if I didn't mention it at the start, Bo is uh, from the ECN podcast. Uh, they're at ecnradio.com. Uh, they are also part of the Big Top Network, as of a couple of days ago, which is awesome. Yes, it's great. Uh, they've got a couple of a couple of podcasts actually. They've got the ECN, which is which stands for Electric City Nerds, which we're big fans of here. Cool. All right, so uh, let's finish up with. You can contact us by email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast dot com, or you can post on our Facebook wall at www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast, or tweet us at at nerdculturecast, or you can leave a comment on any post on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com So it's important that you know those because that's where the picture for the competition will be. Totallyirreverent.com.au And don't forget you can also rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. But uh, yeah, that's it from us, the crew. Richard? I'm waiting forward to, looking forward to the new, new, new Marvel Now, even more now, now, later that comes in about a year. Luke? I'm looking forward to, you know, Spider-Ham now. Alf now. Mm. <laughs> We've got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's got a talking raccoon in it. Rocket Raccoon <laughs> is cool. <laughs> As is Groot. I want Groot now. I am Groot. Groot's awesome. And special guest, uh, the man uh, good enough to put up with us for, for what seems like 50 hours, <laughs> Bo from the ECN Podcast. I want the Swainy now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, man. It's been awesome. No problem, man. Bye, everybody. We should do this all the time. You should yeah. uh, you should take Saturday Saturday off work every time. I can't believe you work Saturday night, dude. I work almost every night. I'm the closer. You know, I just I handle that better. I've always been that way. Oh, I hate okay. working in the morning. This you didn't take you didn't take tonight off work for this, did you? No, no. Well, I got a. I told him I'd give him a shout out. Um, I got a, a coworker, Alex, um, to work for me. So we need to throw. He told me to say we need to throw a shrimp on the Barbie for Alex. <laughs> <laughs>